hear the roar of the crowd. <laughs> Open your Bibles with me. Today I want to talk about, um, let's, let's go to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 8. And um, we're going to talk about a couple of things here. Uh, boy, we, sh- we should have never got in the subject of the anointing because it's hard to, once you, once you start getting into something, it's hard to get out. But, um, and I have been doing some teaching here um, <clears throat> on Sunday morning, and typically I like to uh, preach uh, more on Sunday morning and, and, and relegate the teaching toward Wednesday nights. But I do believe that it's been helpful. How many of you have been helped in the teachings that we've been having here over the last several weeks? Now, we're, God's trying to give us revelation. And revelation isn't something that comes out of your mind. It comes out of your spirit. And so uh, Romans chapter, but let's, let's start this. Romans chapter 8. Um, and we're only going to read one verse in Romans chapter 8 to start this out. Romans chapter 8, verse 14, it says this, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Amen. And so uh, we've been talking about the anointing and the anointing in us and the anointing upon us. And some people, they're like, well, what is the anointing? Well, it's the Spirit of God. Amen. And the Bible tells us in this verse of Scripture that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. In other words, if you are a son or a daughter of God, then um, God wants to lead you by His Spirit. That's the way He wants you to live your life. He wants you to live a Spirit-led life. Now, that's not the only thing that the Bible says about God's people, is it? That, that's not the only way that God wants it. God doesn't just want us to be walking or be led by the Spirit. But there's other things about What does the Bible say about the righteous? The just. That the just shall live. That the just shall live. Amen. And so who are the just? Well, those are the sons of God. Those are the people of God. The Bible says that God's Spirit is in us. And when God's Spirit came in us, we became righteous. Now, let me, let me clarify this. And it's, it's important that I do this nearly every time because there are always people that are, uh, that, that are here with us that, that don't understand this. Some people think that, that they're, um, some people think that what makes them righteous is them doing, doing right or living right. Righteousness. What is righteousness? Somebody tell me. Right standing with God. Righteousness means you're in right standing with God. Well, what makes one in right standing with God? Is it that you obey the law? No. The law, why why does the Bible say the law was given? The law was given so that we would know we couldn't keep it. Right. It's, it's, It's impossible, isn't it, Clint? It's impossible. When God gave us a law, see, some of us are trying to live by the law. We're like, well, the Bible, you know, uh, when I went to church, my grandma told me that I better not lie, cheat, steal, you know, drink, run around, and I'm doing all those things, and so God doesn't love me, and I'm not right with God. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Number one, there's, there's absolute, listen to me, y'all, I don't care what you're doing, there is nothing that can separate you from God's love. In fact, if you go down a little bit, in the book of in that book of Romans, chapter eight, look look what it says. It says um, 
In verse 31, what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but to deliver, delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? It says, and who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? In fact, will you, uh, before you change that, turn it to, turn it to a, a, a English Standard Version. Because I, I, I want to make sure people understand this. He, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Next verse. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Next verse. Who, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Next verse. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Next verse, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Amen. In other words, guess what? No, nothing that you do, no sin that you sin, no dumb statement that you make can separate you from the love of God. See, some folks feel like God's left them, that God's abandoned them. That God don't love them no more. I'm going to tell you right now. Uh, you're, are you that great that you could do something that the Bible says is impossible? Are you that special? I mean, the, the Bible says that Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave. That, that, he, that he conquered the enemy. And, and you're saying that he couldn't, he couldn't overcome. He couldn't love you <laughs> in spite of your sin. <laughs> uh, wow, we got some, but, but you know what? We got people that they actually think that, they believe that. So when you got born again and Jesus came in your heart, you became the righteousness of God. You were in right standing with God. You're in right standing with God because Jesus lives in you, period. Oh, yeah. Now it's not based on your performance. You're righteous because Jesus lived. If you ever accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you ever asked Jesus to come into your heart, God's Spirit lives on the inside of you, and you are in right standing with God because of that. Oh, yeah. Now, does that, does that mean that you know God? No. You can be in right standing with God and not know God. Heck, there are people that are married for 40 years don't know each other. I've met them. I met, I met one guy. He said, me and my wife, we have never fussed. We have never fought. We have never had an argument. I said, you don't know one. And you don't know someone till you fussed with them. You don't know nothing about nobody till you had a good scrap with them. You understand what I'm saying? You got to scrap with someone to really get to know because you don't know what they're capable of till, you, till they're angry. Until you've argued. If, if, you've never fussed, if you've never fussed with someone that you had to live with for 40 years, you all don't know each other. Y'all spent too much time avoiding getting to know one another. 
Now, I'm not saying you ought to pick fights with one another. I'm just saying, you know, there's that. So you can know, you can, you can, you can, uh, amen. You can, you can meet someone and not know them. And see, there's a lot of people that Jesus, Jesus came into their hearts, but they've never gotten to know God. That's a different thing. Getting to know God. Him coming into your heart and you being in right standing doesn't automatically mean you, you're going to know him. And that's why some of you are a little iffy on your relationship with God. That's why sometimes some of y'all think one day you're going to heaven and the next day you think you're going to hell. Based on performance. But, but see, my Bible says that my ticket to heaven is Jesus Christ and him crucified. Amen. Me accepting and acknowledging the work that he did. Amen. Are y'all hearing me today? Yeah. Praise God. Praise God. I know, and I know some of you are like, well, Brother Z, um, you tell us this regular. Yeah, it's because y'all struggle with it regular. <laughs> I mean, I say it, and there's still some people be like, they'll go do something stupid and be like, oh, you know, that's it. I'm disqualified. Not only, do the, not only do you think you're disqualified from going to heaven and having fellowship with God, now all of a sudden you're disqualified from, from sharing your faith with other people, ministering healing to sick people, ministering encouragement. You know, some people are like, how can I encourage people when I'm in such a mess? That's the best time for you to do it. Amen. Because the devil, he, he, it confuses the devil when you, go to, when, you go to, when you go to walking according to the word of God in the midst of struggle. In the confuses the enemy. The enemy's like, wait a minute. You're supposed to cry. You're supposed to get on your pity pot. I, I know a fellow right now. I'm, I, know, I, know, I know a lot of people like this, but I'm thinking of one fellow in particular that um, one time he rolled up at our church and he, he told me he was sick that the doctors had given him a diagnosis that wasn't good. In fact, it was a death sentence. Well, you know what? I'm not much for getting on the pity pot with someone. And, and it's not that I don't have any compassion. It's just that I know the word of God. And I found out that a pat on the back and shedding a tear with someone and weeping over their struggle isn't always as good as telling someone, have faith in God. In fact, Brother Shambach said it was an old Italian preacher he listened to, I believe. He said that that's where, where he got his saying, you don't have any trouble. All you need is faith in God. You don't have any trouble. All you need is faith in God, faith in his word. And sometimes it can be seen as not being compassionate when you don't sit and cry a tear and sit on a pity pot with someone. But some people, they think that that's how you show love, that that's how you show compassion, that that's how you care. Jesus was compassionate, but you know, Jesus didn't get on the pity pot for nobody. He looked at people that were sick and he said, take up your bed and walk. Stretch out your arm and be made whole. Amen. Glory to God. All right. Anyhow, so I've gotten off on a little tangent, but I'll get, I'll get us right back on course here. <laughs> But uh, we're supposed to walk after the Spirit. God's Spirit is in you. Say, God's Spirit's in me. God's in me. I'm going to walk after the Spirit. Now, go over to the book of, of, of 1 Samuel. I believe it's 1 Samuel. Is that where it's at, where we've been at? 1 Samuel chapter 10. 1 Samuel chapter 10. And um, we've, we've been looking at this verse of Scripture 
Now, now as, as believers, what happens is when we start hearing this stuff, sometimes what we do when we, when we start hearing biblical uh, concepts, biblical ideas, uh, biblical principles, what we, what we do is we start trying to mash all these principles together. And we don't understand that not all of these principles function uh, the same way. In other words, we'll take, we'll take walking after the Spirit, and then we try to, we try to mix it with uh, faith principles or whatever. Now, the Bible says the just will live by faith, and the just, uh, the just ought to live by faith. But it also says that the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. So what is it? Do we walk by faith, or do we walk led by the Spirit? Well, both. We do both. And they're, they're, they're very, uh, to, to walk after the Spirit takes a, a measure of faith because, number one, if you're going to follow after the Spirit, He's invisible. You can't see Him. So you're going to have to develop some other part of your being. You know, we're spirit. We are spirits. Men, God, the Bible says we're, we're spirit, soul, and body. So we are spirits, we have a soul, and we live in a body. We're triune. You know, God is Father, Son, Holy Ghost. We are spirit, soul, and body. So like God is triune, we're triune. Amen. There are three parts of a man. Same man. See, that's, that's where some people are like, wait a minute. How can, how can God be Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? How can man be spirit, soul, and body? Why is it that when a man dies, we see that there's something that's no longer there in them? There's no life in their eyes. There's, there's not that. I mean, so, when someone passes away, instantly there's a, there's a change. There's no life in them anymore. Well, where does that life come from? Well, it comes from one spirit. The spirit departs out of that man. You physically, physically, you're, go, you're going to die and you're going to go back to being dirt. But the spirit of a man never dies. We talk about eternal life in church. We think eternal life is just the length of life. Eternal. Listen, everyone's going to live forever, whether they're saved or not saved. The, the only question is, where are you going to spend eternity? If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your savior... Are you are y'all hearing me? Some of you, some of you gonna have trouble with this because some of you you're gonna find you're gonna when we get to heaven, some of you gonna see people there and you're like, you'll be like, what you doing here? <laughs> you didn't even go to church every week. I seen you at the club. I saw I pulled up, I saw you walking out of the dispensary. Come on, are y'all hearing me? And we're going we're to get to heaven. There are going to be people, because one, one time I was in uh, Ohio at the Mennonite church. And one of, one of, uh, of uh, the regular uh, attendees of that church, their daughter had died in a drunk driving accident. She was driving the car and she was, she was drunk. And... All of her passengers were drunk. It was three in the morning. They blew through a stop sign in the uh, country and they hit a truck and they were all, they were, all of them were killed. Every one of them, they all died. 
and they were, they were young. They were, they were just, I believe they were in their late teens, early 20s. Well, you know what? In the Mennonite church, now this, especially in the Spanish church, listen, you go to, the, I'm going to tell you something. You have never been any place more ruthless than a Spanish church. Because you, you roll in there and they'd be like, oh, hey, praise Lord. It's good to see you. Boy, you put on a little weight. I mean, they're ruthless, aren't they? Spanish, listen, it's bad. It's bad. If you've lost weight, they're like, are you sick? You know, it can't, it can't just be that you're, you know, it can't just be, man, you know what? It is so good to see you. That's never how it is in the Spanish church. The next word out of their mouth is, are you still serving the Lord? Well, am I here in church? Just because you don't go to church all the time doesn't mean I don't go to church all the time. I still get that. I've been preaching for 37 years. They still ask me, Gil, when I go to church in some Spanish churches, are you still serving the Lord? I'm like, boy, don't make me knock you out. Don't make me backslide right now. But anyway, I go to, I, this happened while I was there. This girl passed away when I was there. I went to church. We were having revival. Do you know that there were people at that church that were telling her parents that her daughter went to hell because she was drunk? And died in that accident drunk? Well, you know, she didn't make it. She went right to hell. You know, she couldn't have gone to heaven. Won't it be a shock to some of those people when they get in the elevator after they're gone and it goes down instead of up? You know what I'm saying? And they went to church every week. But anyhow, Isn't, it, isn't that crazy? Because, you know, here's, here's the truth. We don't, know what, we, don't know, we don't know what happened to that person. Now you say, yeah, but Brother Ziggy, they were drunk. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. You don't know. I don't know, I don't know about you all. And I got, in fact, they asked me to get up and say something at the funeral. You know what I got up and said? I got up and I said, how dare some of you assume that this individual went to hell because they were drunk? I mean, you live in the state of Ohio. I said, I've been driving here in Ohio on these country roads and hit a patch of black ice. I said, you know, you know what the Bible says? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I said, you know what? I've, I've hit, a, I've hit a, a patch of, of black ice and my car went to spinning. I said, you know what? I didn't, have a, I didn't have time to be, oh God, I would that thou wouldest help me at this moment, yea. For Lord, I know I am in great danger right now. And if thou wouldest, listen, you ain't got, you ain't that kind of time. You know what? You know what my prayer was when I hit that black ice? Jesus! I mean, one word, one, one word. And man, and I'm, I'm telling you, man, I've had the Lord help me out of some, you know, some pretty sticky situation with just Jesus. I said, you don't know. You don't know that when that, when, when that girl was coming through that, through that intersection and, and that car hit that she didn't call upon. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now, that's the first thing I do. I call on the name of the Lord. If you've ever been born again, the first thing you will do is call on the name of See, some of them folks going to be shocked when they roll into heaven and there she is sitting up front with Jesus and they got their seat in the back. <laughs> well, I don't know why I'm preaching on this, but it sure is good. 
Amen. Amen. You know, who are you to make any assumptions? Listen, if fat people can go to heaven, Amen. I don't know about anybody else. I know, I know I, I can speak about fat people because I, you know, I'm in that number. Amen. You know what I mean? <laughs> they may not stay in that number, but at this moment, you know what I'm saying? I don't want to be buried in a refrigerator. But anyway. I don't want someone going out to Ted's house and picking out my casket. <laughs> but you know what? Gluttony is just as much of a sin as anything is. Isn't that right? Now, you, some of you saying, Brother Ziggy, are you saying you're a glutton? Yeah, sometimes. If I go to Mushabu and I'm a little too hungry... You be you be here for hours. You leave now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ted's just relating his experience, but <laughs> you've never been really kicked out of a buffet, have you? <laughs> well, let's throw Doug under the bus then. We're, we're going to be shocked at, 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 the, at the people that called on the name of the Lord and were saved and are in heaven that we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have let them in. In fact, some of you, you're, you've already got yourself going to hell. It's like, wait a minute, you're not the, you don't determine that. You're not the one who determines that. And, and let, me say, let me say this just before we move on. This, the end of this life is not the end of life. It ain't over. Your spirit lives on. Amen. So we are spirit, soul, and body. Say, what's, our, what's your soul? Well, your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your spirit is who you really are. It's, it's who lives in this house. You know what your body is. And your body's going to, you know, from the time we were born, we started to die. And uh, every one of us are going to turn right back into dirt unless Jesus comes back before then. Okay. Now, the Bible does say that at his return, that the dead in Christ will rise first. That there will be a physical resurrection of our body and we will receive what the Bible calls a glorified body. Amen. Jesus had one of those when he resurrected from the dead. In fact, it said he was flesh and bone. His blood was gone because he shed it for us. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Boy, I'm throwing all kinds of little stuff in here for y'all. Amen. But because we're spirit, that's why God says we're supposed to be led by the spirit. Amen. Boy, I've gone a long time here and hadn't gotten even close. So uh, let's read this first Samuel chapter 10. Verse 5. And so I, wanna, I want us to try to understand that um, we, we can't just mash everything together and, and, and make it work. We have to understand that these principles that we live by, some of these principles 
For example, the principle of faith. Well, let, let's read this verse of scripture, and then we'll, I'll talk about it. Verse, uh, did I tell you what verse? Five. Verse 5. It says, after thou shalt come. This is, uh, this is uh, the prophet Samuel prophesying over Saul, King Saul. Uh, after thou, after that thou shalt come to the hill of God, where is the garrison of the Philistines, it shall come to pass when you're come to a thither to the city, that thou shalt meet a company of prophets coming down from a high place. Do y'all understand the King James? Can we put it in English standard? Because, because I know these get, these, it gets kind of weird. After, after that, you shall come to, uh, Gibeath Elohim where is the garrison of the Philistines. And there, as soon as you come to the city, you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with a harp, tambourine, flute, and lyre before them. Prophesying. In other words, they're going to be playing these instruments and they're going to be, uh, it's, it's going to be like a worship service. And these prophets are going to be prophesying. Look what verse 6 says. Then the Spirit of the Lord will rush upon you. Oh, I like that. The Spirit of the Lord will rush upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. Look at the next verse. Now when these signs meet you, do what your hand finds to do, for God is with you. In other words, when the Spirit of the Lord comes on you, when you get anointed, uh, do whatever it is that you need to do, because God's going to be with you to get it done. So... Um, Glory to God. Glory to God. Man, I know what I want to say. There's no freaking way I'm going to get it said. I get on too many rabbit trails. Mm. Focus, focus, focus. I should have made notes on that. I could have stayed more focused, more focused. <laughs> So, when we follow after the Spirit, faith is at work, but not in the same way that faith is at work when we are, uh, when, when, like when we, when we talk about putting our faith on something, uh, putting our faith on the Word of God, for example. Uh, say, uh, say that you are, uh, you're believing God for finance, for supernatural increase, uh, for God's blessing in your finances. Well, you know, we, there's a, there's, there, I, when, I, when I teach you all about that, what I teach is I teach, I teach scripture. I teach principles. The principles that we teach, let's just take one that's simple. Uh, one of the simple principles of prosperity is bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there may, may be meat in my house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord uh, of hosts, and see if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. There's not room enough to receive. That, that's uh, Malachi chapter 3. So in Malachi, the Bible tells us if we bring all the tithe in the storehouse, for what purpose? So that there's meat in God's house. The Bible says, prove me and see if I won't open up the windows. In other words, God is saying, if you will do this, I will prove myself to you by opening up the windows of heaven and pouring out a blessing there's not room enough to receive, which is a great, it's a great promise. So you know what we do? By faith... In that scripture, we do what the word of God says, believing that if we will, believing that we receive what that scripture says, and if we believe we receive it, we'll have it. That's faith. 
Amen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, uh, so uh, it's calling, faith is calling those things that be not as though they are. Say this with me. Say, calling those things that be not as though they are. See, that's what God said about Abraham. Abraham walked in faith, and the faith that Abraham walked in was calling those things that be not as though they are. So what, was, what did Abraham have to do to live by faith, to walk by faith? Well, God told, God told a man named Abram to change his name, that he would no longer be Abram, but he would be Abraham. And that Abraham, what does Abraham mean? Abraham means the father of many nations or the father of multitudes, the father of multitudes. God said, you're going to be the father of many nations. You know what? Abraham didn't have no kids. In fact, Abraham was an old man. And the Bible says that he got this word and God told him, you're going to, you're going to have, you're going to be the father of many nations. And he's like, have you seen my wife? Now listen, Sarah was fine. Don't get me wrong. Sarah was so fine that in her old age, there were people that were still lusting after her. You understand what I'm saying? So she looked good, but the Bible says her womb was dead. And the Bible says that Abraham, that his body was dead. I mean, this is pre-Viagra. Y'all understand? Abraham's body was dead. There wasn't no blue pill. He wasn't getting no emails about blue pills and this, that. You know, it, <laughs> If somehow or another we're annihilated and all that's left is our emails, can you imagine what they're going to think about us? <laughs> Look at who our junk email and stuff. Anyway, so Abraham, he didn't, the Bible says he didn't consider his own body now dead because he's old, nor the deadness of Sarah's womb. But he believed the word of God. In spite of what he saw with his eyes. See, that's the, those are the principles of faith. Amen. Those are the principles. Now, sometimes what happens with, with God's people is we think that if we're working our faith, that our faith will always produce the will of God. But see, that's not true. That's not true. Some people will recklessly apply their faith to whatever it is that they want and not realize that sometimes what you want isn't what God wants for you. Did you hear what I'm saying? One time I heard Kenneth Copeland give a testimony. I'm getting to what I want to talk about. I'm just going to jump right in there. Um, I tried to set it up with that whole spirit thing, but it didn't work out good. So here, here we go. <clears throat> Brother Copeland said one day he was, in, he was reading one of Brother Kenneth Hagin's books, and Brother Kenneth Hagin said that the, that the Lord appeared to him in a vision, that Jesus came and touched his palms of his hands and said, when you lay your hands upon the sick, I will, I will uh, when, you, when you feel this anointing in your hands, lay your hands on the sick, one in the back of them, one in the front of them, and I'll heal them. So after the Lord did told Brother Hagin that, Brother Hagin started doing that, people started getting healed in his meetings. Now, Ken Copeland saw that, and he said, I want that. And he had some scripture. He said, Lord, your word says that you're no respecter of persons. In other words, God, you don't discriminate. What you did for one, you will do for all. If you did it for them, you'll do it for me. You know, that's the Bible. 
And that's what the word says. In, in other words, if God has done it for someone else, he'll do it for you. And so he said, Lord, because you're no respecter of persons, I desire for Jesus to come touch my hands, do that same thing with me. I need for Jesus to come and to show up and to appear to me like he appeared to Brother Hagin. And he, he began to pray that. And he began, he said, Lord, you said what things soever I desire when I pray. Believe that I receive them, I shall have them. Lord, I'm not asking you anything that's not according to your word. Lord, if you did it for Brother Hagin, you'll do it for me. I'm not asking amiss. I'm asking according to what your word says. And he began to work his faith. And he said he got about seven days into that kind of prayer when the Lord spoke to him and said, you need to stop praying that way. You ever think, you ever think God would ever come to anyone and tell them, quit praying that way? Lord said, you need to quit praying that way. Brother, Brother Copeland said, why, Lord? He said, because if you keep praying that way, I'm going to have to come down there and answer your prayer. He said, Lord, that's the point. I want you to answer my prayer. I want you to do this the way that I've prayed. He said, you don't understand. If I come down there and I do that for you, that is not my perfect will for you. If I come down there and I appear to you like I appeared to Brother Hagin, you can never walk in the measure of faith, in the greater measure of faith that I desire for you to walk in. He said, I will come and I will do that. He said, but you're going to ruin my plan. I have a better plan for you. Oh, yeah. See, what a lot, a lot of times we don't understand is that faith is very powerful. That, that God has given us a whole lot of authority when it comes to working our faith. But we can't go and just be asking God for any, any old thing that we, we, we've got to make. We've got to make sure that when we get in faith that... that that our will is in alignment with God's will. The reason I brought up Samuel is because we were talking about this. I, I pointed at Gil because Gil was on the podcast. There were several others on the podcast. Uh, Brandon was on there, I think. We, we talked about this on the podcast on Thursday. I, I started reading this verse of scripture again about Samuel. Do you know, how many of you know the, the, the history of Samuel? How many of you know that Samuel, God never intended for Samuel or for Saul, that, that uh, we were talking about Saul, that God never intended for Saul to be the king of Israel. Let me read you something. When Israel was still a relatively young nation, the people began to be discontent with their lack of a human leader. Part of that came from the envy they had of other nations. But there's also a belief that having a human king would make Israel look stronger to potential enemies. So the elders brought the request to the prophet Samuel. In 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 5 through 7, they said to him, You are old and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us. Up to that point, God had been the king of Israel. They had acknowledged God as being their king. He, they acknowledged him as being their protector. They, they acknowledged him as being their defender. He had, he had never lost a battle. Amen. But they said, we need a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. But when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel the prophet. So he prayed to the Lord and the Lord told him, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. So God never want, are y'all hearing me? God never wanted this. This would be hard for some of you to grasp, but if you'll hang on just for a minute, I, I think it'll help you in your, 
in, in, in some of the things that you are, are before you right now in this season. And for those of you that listen to this on the podcast and you're, uh, uh, you're going to use this and take notes and, and preach this after I've preached it, make sure that you live it first. Because that, that's a big part of the miscommunication that some of y'all are giving. Some of y'all are telling people, now I'm, I'm, I'm talking to y'all here. I'm talking to some people that watch the video and people that'll listen. Because I, I don't know if y'all know this, but I have people that'll listen to me. They don't acknowledge that they listen to me. Uh, they, they're too arrogant to uh, acknowledge the fact that they listen to me. And that they take, they take what I say and then they, they try to apply it and preach it to other people. But they don't really understand it because they don't live it. And because of that, they confuse people. They confuse people. So I'm trying, to, I'm trying to say this to set that straight. So, I, so as much as you think I don't know you're listening, I know you're listening. <laughs> and it's okay. I love you. But just live this. Don't just tell it. Live it. So even after Samuel prayed and he delivered strong caution from the Lord, the Israelites instead uh, insisted, I'm sorry, on getting a ruler uh, on getting a ruler from among them. We want a king over us. 1 Samuel 8, 19 and 22. We want a king over us. Then we will be like all other nations with the king to lead us and to go out before us and fight our battles. When Samuel heard all that the people said, he repeated it before the Lord. The Lord answered. He said, listen to them and give them a king. So God went from telling them that they didn't reject Samuel uh, that they rejected him as king to telling them, okay, I'll give them a king. That was not God's perfect will for Israel. Many of you don't realize this, but God has a perfect will and God has a permissive will. There are things that God wants that are his perfect will for our lives. And there, then there are things that he permits us to do because he loves us. And we're, it's just like a, 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 a it's just like a father with their children, a natural father with their children. We love our kids. I, lo I love my kids. I had a will for my daughter's life. It was my perfect will for her. Guess what? She is not walking in my perfect will. <laughs> and I'll bet yours aren't walking in your perfect will either. But you know what? The fact that my kids aren't doing exactly what I want them to do doesn't relegate them to hell. doesn't get them kicked out of the house, but it does keep them from certain benefits. See, if she had done my perfect will, she would, number one, she wouldn't be married, which I'm not, a, listen, don't, don't take this wrong. I love my son-in-law. He's the best son-in-law a father-in-law could ever hope for. And I acknowledge that regular because he really is great kid. Loves the Lord. But it had, they, had it been my perfect will, she would not be married. She would be in school. And guess what? I would be paying her bills. I would be paying for her college. She would have a brand new car that I would be paying for. Fuel that I would be paying for. Food that I would be paying for. Clothes that I would be paying for. There would be no bills, none whatsoever. Her job would be to graduate college. There are benefits that come with doing dad's perfect will. All right? 
I told her as much when she was saying, Dad, I want to get married. I said, baby, if you get married, that means your husband's going to have to pay for your school. He's going to have to pay for your car. He's going to have to pay for your clothes. He's going to have to take care. That's the nature of this thing. You got to leave your father and mother and cleave under it. And I, you, know, you know what? You're going to struggle and I'm going to hate it, but I'm going to have to let it play out. Because you chose, I'm going to love you, but I am not, listen, I am not going to interfere with your family. Now, you know what, there are some parents, they hadn't learned that. They're like, and some of their kids, they'll be, they'll be taking care of them till they're 92. The kid's 92, parents 150. And some people, they don't care. You know, they're, they're all good with that. But I'm all for raising up kids that can take care of themselves. Oh, yeah. Kids that when they have a spat with their husband, they're not saying, I left him, I'm moving in with you. And it, no, no, you going back. You ain't coming over here. Remember when you, remember when, remember when, remember when. Anyhow, so. So my perfect will, and then there's my permissive will. You know what? She, she got married. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the dad thing, and we're going to marry you off. But you're going to have to pay for your school. And, you know, the, her car, her lease was up on the car that I was paying for. Lease was up on that car. Now she was, I, do you know, as a, this, this is me, dad. When, when, when we leased that car for her, I gave her the choice between a BMW or a Honda. She picked the Honda. Now, as she got to the end of that Honda, she was leaning more BMW. And so the next one could have been the BMW. You know, she could have gone right into some. But instead, it's like, well, Dad, I mean, are you going to get me a car? I said, I am. <laughs> I am. You, you, so I get the money, that, the equity out of that Honda. I said, even though you didn't pay a dime toward it, I'll do it. But it wasn't a BMW. Because I wasn't going to put her in a place of having to. She's, she going, she's, she's going off her husband. I'm not about to put her husband in a predicament. You understand? So you know what? Instead, she got a Chevy Sonic. Exactly. What is that? I didn't even know it existed till I bought it. It's a, your daughter's leaving home car and needs something to drive. That's what it is. It worked. It worked. It didn't work for long because she tried to drive it like a brand new Honda. And then you had to learn her. You know, listen, here's the deal. When you're living with dad, you can run it in the ground. You can run it. Listen, it goes back for warranty work. When you're on your own, you baby it. You baby it because it ain't that good. Now you'll, you'll work your way. Are y'all hearing me today? Yeah. All right. I think I've, I've, I've made the point. There's God's perfect will, and then there's God's permissive will. Israel got out of God's perfect will and over into God's permissive will. And you know what they ended up with? A king that didn't have a heart toward God. A king that would give himself over to an evil spirit sometimes. 
In fact, the only thing Saul cared about, do you know the whole time Saul was in reign, the thing Israel did the most was fight with everybody else. He just stayed at war all the time. You know what he never did? He never acknowledged God. He never acknowledged God's power. He have never acknowledged God's help. He never acknowledged God's blessing. All he ever did was fight. He never, he never led people into the worship of God. It was God's permissive will. See, some, some, of you, you, some of you in your life, you got over into God's permissive will, and then things went in the toilet, and you was like, wait a minute, what happened? This ought, to, this ought to answer the question for some of you. Why did God let that happen? <laughs> Why did God let that happen? Listen, God is not going to, well, he could have stopped it. Really? God gave you a free will. You know, it's not God's will for you to go and knock over a liquor store. And he's not going to stop you if that's what you decide to do. But after you, after you get over being stupid, he'll probably be there to help you. Well, glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so when we talk about walking by faith, sometimes what we do is we're like, well, you know, faith and faith and faith. That's wonderful. Faith. But you know what you got to mix with faith? Well, being led by the Spirit. What got me on this is a Keith Moore message that Ayla listened to, that Tyler listened to. Then he passed it off to Ayla and everybody else. I haven't listened to it yet, but he told me one of the thoughts that Keith Moore had, and that was this. He told faith people, he said, sometimes as faith people, we want to put our faith on stuff, and we don't have any regard for what the Spirit of God is saying to us about it. He said, and just because we can produce it by our faith doesn't mean we, can, we should have it. We ought, to, we ought to make sure that that's the direction that the Holy Spirit is leading us. Which brought him, I guess, to Proverbs chapter 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Do you know what that means to acknowledge God in all of your ways? Can I tell you? You know, you know I'm going to anyway. I'm almost done. I'm going to read to you what the, what the uh, uh, definition is to acknowledge him, to know him. To know or to learn to know, to perceive him, to perceive, to see, to find out, to discern. To acknowledge him means that you've got to discern where he's at, the direction that he's leading you, where he's taking you, where he wants you to go. Do you know, God, God, God may even tell you where he wants you to go. You just, you're just not sure how he's going to get you there. And so being spirit-led is extremely important. I'm preaching to every one of y'all here. There's not a one of you that don't need to hear this. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. I, could go, I could go on and on. To, to, uh, to discriminate, to distinguish, to know by experience, to recognize, admit, acknowledge, confess, to consider, to know to be acquainted with, to know how. 
to be skillful in, to have knowledge of, to be wise in. Amen. It goes on and on and on. So to acknowledge the Lord. To acknowledge the Lord means we might be able to, we might be able to work our faith and get something accomplished. But the question is, is that, is that the direction of God's Spirit for our lives? What is it that the Holy Spirit is trying to get across to you? What is it that he wants you to do? God's plan for Israel wasn't Saul. It was David. It was David, a man after God's heart. Now, let's look at David. Was David perfect? Heck no. Listen, the dude was, the dude, the Bible says he's a man after God's heart, but one day he's putting on his socks, looks out the window, sees this fine woman who's married to somebody else, finds out her husband is in his army and decides to send him to the front line in order to get him killed so he can take his wife. That's real spiritual. So David, a man after God's heart, intentionally sends a woman's husband to the front lines of battle to be killed so he could take his wife. <laughs> That's abuse of power there, I think. But, you, but, but think about it. Think about it. Think about this. David was God's... David was God's man. How do we know he was God's man? Because he did that with Bathsheba? No, that's not how we know he was God. We know he was God's man because he acknowledged the Lord. We've, we've got to quit looking at each other and determining whether or not we be of God based on the stupid things that we do. Because we're, we're, we have God's spirit in us. Lewis, you know what I'm talking about. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at y'all, and some of y'all, the light is going on for you. Like, See, some, some of you thought you wasn't of God just because you said and did stupid stuff. The truth is, you, you can do and say stupid stuff and, and, and be of God. So what is the, what is the, uh, um, what is it, how do we determine? What is it that we look for in an individual? I'll tell you what you look for in an individual. Uh, what, did, what did they look at in David? Well, David acknowledged the Lord. He loved God. He worshiped God. He feared God. He, uh, he praised God in all that he did. You know, there's, there's something about that. It's only, it's only in the modern day church and in the church uh, uh, in the United States today that we have people in the church that want to look at people's flaws and condemn them. It's almost like we take pleasure in the fall of others. We take pleasure in the, and when someone is stumbling, when someone is tripping, we, it's almost like some of us, we, especially if we got a problem with them, but we really like to see people in trouble when we got a problem with them. Mm, they about to get theirs. Mm, yeah, that's... You know, as Christians, you know, as Christians, what we ought to be trying to do, we ought to be trying to cover each other's butts. That's what we ought to be trying to do. When, when, someone, when someone isn't quite cutting the mustard, when someone isn't shining brightly, instead of trying to gather everybody up for a meeting to talk about how dull they are, 
and how they ain't cutting the mustard. Maybe we ought to take some of our brilliance and try to put it on them. If you have any brilliance, you know what I'm saying? Maybe we ought to try to... <laughs> I've been making Annie laugh all morning. <laughs> We're God's people. See, that's what godly people... Do you know what godly people do? Godly people love one another. That's right. Oh, yeah. Godly people want each other to succeed, not to fail. Godly people want, you know what? Godly people don't want, don't hope to hear that you're struggling when you call them on the phone. But you know, do you know there's some people, there's some people that I'll, I'll go to lunch with or I'll go out to dinner with or I'll call them on the phone and they're almost disappointed when they don't hear me say, yeah, it's, you know, it's tough. And they, no one, no one ever, no one ever hears me say that. You know why? Because right, like right now, right now as a church, I believe, and I'm going to finish up with this. Right now as a church, I believe that we're going through a time where the Lord is drawn near to us. What we think is going to happen when God draws near to us is that we're going to feel good about ourselves. That's never what happens when God draws near. When God draws near because he's light, he shines his light and it reveals all the dark places in our life. And we're like, crap. And I thought I was doing so well. And for years, listen, I've been following the Lord for 30-something 30, 30 years. I've seen the Lord do some great things. I mean, things that can't be measured, you know, in the, in the natural. Things that are, things that are uh, supernatural. Pow powerful, supernatural things. And, boy, I mean, the Lord, is, he's, he's amazed me at times. But when God, every time God has ever drawn near to me, you know what I feel like? I don't feel like I know him. Over the, listen, over the last several months, I've been like, Pfft. you know, some of y'all come to me and say, hey, pastor, can I ask you a question? I'm like, you can ask. I, don't, I'm, I probably have an answer. I'm not sure it's the answer. Because that's where I'm at in my walk. Because I have thought I had the answer before, only to find out it was a answer, but only one of many. <laughs> I love the people that have it all figured out. I've been at this 37 years, and I'm like, the longer I go, the more I realize I hadn't figured not one bit of it out. Especially when he starts getting close, he starts drawing near. I have these ideas. That's what, I think that's why it's wise sometimes to just shut up and be quiet. Hang around with people and don't say a word. You know, people think you're wise when you don't talk. <laughs> it's in the Bible. <laughs> they think you're wise when you don't talk. When I, when I sit and listen and just wag my head and say, I, I have people say, man, he's so wise. It's like, it's because I didn't say anything. You didn't realize how dumb I was because I didn't open up my mouth. <laughs> you see some of you right now saying, Pastor, maybe you ought to be quiet right now. Amen. Because I'm hungry. <laughs> no, <laughs> 
But you know, there's some folks, they, 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 don't, want, they don't want to see you succeed. You know what? I, qu- I, question, I question where those people's hearts are at. Where are they at in their walk with God? Now, I'm not questioning their Christianity. Surely they're Christians. But where are you at in your walk with the Spirit? When you look at someone and hope that they stumble, that you're eager to watch their demise. The only reason I'm talking about this, because I had, uh, it's, it seemed like I had an encounter this week, and they're probably listening to this recording, that I had an encounter like that this week. And when I, when I, when I began to say, you know, I, just, I feel like I'm away from God. I, I don't feel like I'm close to God right now. I really don't. There was almost a, a, a glint of glee because they thought that was a negative thing. What they didn't understand is that I'm not in a bad place. Go ahead, man. Go ahead, that's right. I'm not in a bad place. I'm just realizing that I'm as close to God as I've ever been. I'm just realizing that I'm not as close as I thought I was. Go ahead, See, you know what, you know what some, you know what the people hear that hope that you're not doing well, what they hear is, oh, see, he's backslidden. He's away from God. Hmm, I'm not backslidden. I've not taken one step back. In fact, I've, I've done nothing but make forward progress my entire walk with the Lord. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? I, I'm telling you that I've been serving God for 37 years and 37 years I've never made I've never, I've never gone backwards. I've only made forward progress. This whole, this whole difficult life that everybody talks about, you know, oh, it's so hard to live for the Lord. That's not me. If, I mean, I'll, I'll sympathize with you because I understand that some of you go through different stuff. But you know what? I've, I've, gone from, I've gone from mountaintop to mountaintop, from victory to victory. I don't live in the valley. I don't live in the valley. I don't acknowledge the valley. I've woke up happy every day since I, since I started serving the Lord. Every day. Every day. If you, ha- if you hung out with me, and I think this is part of it. Some people are upset because I don't wake up in a bad mood. Because I wake up and I'm happy every day, no matter what the circumstances. No matter what anybody says. People say stuff about me, I'm like, well, praise God. Hallelujah. Some people, they think I'm, I'm, I'm uh, cocky or arrogant. No, I just don't care. I don't. I just don't care what you think. <laughs> I mean, it's, I, I get that that's cocky or arrogant. I, I mean, I'm not going to live by what you think. I'm going to live by what I know. I'm, and I'm not going to be demeaning toward you about it. You understand? I mean, if you're struggling, I'll try to help you in your struggle. I'll try to help you to understand how you can come out. But to try to pretend like, oh yeah, yeah, I understand. No, I, I don't get it. But you know what? I know how you can get out. That's, that's one of the problems my son has in his life right now. You know, my son, people say, I don't really like you. And he's like, oh, well. I mean, he really don't care. He's like, I wish you liked me. I mean, I, I, I'm going to hang out with the people that like me. And you, and you know, you know, you know what that does? Some people get mad when you, when you don't respond in the way they want you to. When you don't feel bad that they don't like you. You mean you don't feel bad that I don't like you? Why don't you feel bad? 
Why don't you feel bad about you? You're just, you're just arrogant. You're just full of yourself. You just think you're all that in a bag of chips. No, I just don't live my, I, I'm not, my mood isn't going to change based on what you think about me. I'm not going to change my address based on where you think I ought to live. I'm not going to drive a car based on how you feel about the car I'm driving. Are you kidding me? Must be nice. Yeah, yeah, people say that. Must be nice having a Tesla. You know what my response is? It is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it is. It's super cool. Okay. You want to ride? Okay. Most of them don't. I put a picture. I put a picture. I wasn't even my Tesla. I put a picture of a Tesla in the airplane on Facebook one time. People were putting up rides and, 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 and uh, show us your ride. Well, my ride was the, the uh, airplane. Took me to Richmond. Friend of mine picked me up in his Tesla. I was like, here's a couple nice rides right here. Some person I didn't even know says, oh, the offerings must be good. You must really be collecting good offerings as a preacher to be able to have that plane and that Tesla. I said, I, my response, yep. I said, the offerings are, I said, if I told you what the offerings were, you'd bite your, you'd bite your, you'd bite your lip and bite it off in the whole, pro I mean, if you feel the way you do, I said, here's the thing. I said, the Tesla's not mine, but if I wanted one, the, uh, uh, and, and, uh, and, and I asked the church for help. You know, I said, my folks would probably buy me a Tesla if I said, boy, I sure would like a Tesla. Anyone want to jump in on me with a Tesla here? I'm telling you, they'd, they'd come up and they'd haul money to me. I said, because they love me and they take care of me. I said, you could only wish that you'd have someone love you as much as my folks love me. I said, but yeah, is it nice? Absolutely, it's nice. It, it, I said, it's a blessing every day. Glory to God. It's a blessing every day. People don't like that. People want you to be like, well, you know, uh, let me explain myself. I, ain't gonna exp I don't need to explain myself to you. Go ahead now. I never seen a check. For, I never seen a check from that person in the mail to my ministry. Go ahead now. You know what that means to me? That's none of your business. That's right. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Glory to God. Now, see, see y'all like, well, Brother Ziggy, uh, <laughs> how, how are we going to live? Are we going to do God's will for our lives? Or are we going to live our lives by other people's opinions? So walk after the Spirit. Say walk after the Spirit. Walk after the Spirit. So you know what? You know where Paul, Paul Trochel, Paul Trochel, he was in Magnolia, Arkansas. Church bought him a brand new pickup truck and had 400 in membership. I mean, he was, had a great church. Good, good community. God was moving. And then the Lord tell him one day, uh, I need for you to go to Tanzania. I was reading Paul Trochel's, uh, I was reading Paul Trochel's uh, Facebook page the other day. You know where he was at the other day? He said, this morning I woke up and I was listening to the hippos grunt. He said, when I got out of my tent this morning, so he went from where a church had bought him a pickup truck and everything was, you know, in the natural where people were, people would take digs at him. Boy, I wish, boy, it must be nice. But he's following the leading of the Spirit for his life. So last week or a couple of weeks ago, he's living in a tent in the jungle. 
hearing the grunting of hippos as he ministers to the native people of that region and equips them to do the work of the ministry. You know, there's not a lot of people asking him or telling him, must be nice. Because we got to go where God's spirit leads us and do what God's spirit tells us to do. Amen. Stand up all over the place so I know I'm finished. I know I'm, we're landing in a cornfield here, but amen. The natives are getting restless. <laughs> Said like mother, like son. That was Josiah, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Isn't, that, isn't that like Jasmine? She'd be saying stuff. Amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. <laughs> Bobby, I see the Spirit of God on you. I, now, I'm not trying to pick on you, but I see the Holy Spirit on you. And I, I hear God, I hear, I hear the Spirit of the Lord telling me that he said, he told me to tell you this. He says, you don't understand the anointing. It's not something that you, it's not a concept that you can grasp, that you can wrap your mind around. But the Lord says, my anointing works whether or not you understand it, whether or not you know how it works. The Lord says, you don't have to figure it out. God, in fact, God says this. God says, I'm not calling you to figure it out. The Lord says, what I, but he says, what I am doing is I'm drawing near to you. And I'm drawing you near to me. The Lord says, your head will catch up with what's happening, the Lord says, in you by my spirit. He says, eventually, he says, you'll, you'll start to gain a measure of understanding. But the Lord says, it is his desire to, to take into transport you from where you've been the Lord says into a new place God says God says that you've tried to transform yourself in the past and God says you it just it's it, it works for a while but then it just kind of falters and it falls to the wayside the Lord says only the only way you're going to really transform he says is to yield to my spirit and the, and the Lord says that's that's what you have a hard time working out because it's like Lord I could there, like right at this moment right now you feel the spirit of God coming on you can, you can tell that his presence is around you you just you're not sure how to get the most impact from what's happening right now how to, how to see that change and the Lord says he's going to help you to figure that out in this season but the Lord says if you'll lean into me and if you'll follow my spirit and you'll trust me the Lord says, I'll lead you to the most transformative place you've ever been to in your life. The Lord says, you'll wake up every day, he says, with a fullness of joy. And God says, and you'll be a distributor of joy. The, the, Lord, says, the Lord says, the plan I have for you is my plan is for you to be a distributor of joy. A distributor of joy to others. The Lord says in the past, he says, in the natural, without the Holy Spirit, the Lord says, you you would you would you were an encourager that you would you would get around folks and they would they would increase in hope but the lord says this is going to start happening by the spirit 
And the Lord says, he, God says the restoration of hope uh, to others, the Lord says, starts with the restoration of your hope. God says, God says you came to a point of hopelessness, but the Lord says he's begun to restore your hope. The Lord says, and in restoring your hope, the Lord says he's going to restore your expectation. You're going to expect that things are going to things are going to transform. The Lord says, because you expect that things are going to transform, God says, you're going to come to that place of transformation. He says, it's going to come to that place of fruition. The Lord says, he's not left you now for one moment. He is, God says, he has never stepped away from you. God says, the time that you have sensed that he was absent wasn't that he was absent. The Lord says, the Lord says, you are only, a, God says, you only concerned yourself with his absence because the Lord says of his presence. The Lord says he wants you to be aware of the fact that he's with you. That he's with you. And so God says you're going to leave here today and God says you're going to leave here with a greater measure of joy knowing that he's never left you, that he's never forsaken you. He, he, he tells me this. He says, not only have I never left you and never forsaken you, he says, but I never will. He says, I've given you my word. God, God says, you pride yourself in being a man of your word. God says, I am, I, God says, I am more faithful to my word than you've ever been to yours. And God says, and I will never leave you. And I will never forsake you. I will never let you go. And I will never let you down. The Lord says, and I'm, I'm not going to let you out. The Lord says, I'm with you. And so today, from today forward, you're going to know in the good times and in the bad times, he's with you. He's with you. Amen. It's not determined by how well you perform. He's already decided I'm with you. In Jesus' name. So Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you for what you're doing in Bobby today. I thank you for what you're doing in Bonnie today. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in Shelby today. Thank God. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in this family in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that your hand is upon the Hughes family in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that you are causing them to be strong, stronger than they've ever been before. I hear the Lord, I hear the Lord saying that he, that he, that out of your family, he's always wanted to raise up voices. <laughs> the Lord says that y'all thought y'all was just a bunch of loudmouths, but he said that's not it. God says, God says he wanted you to be influential with your speech, with your, with your speaking, with your talking. I hear, I hear God saying that more, more than in the past, in the future, the Lord says, when you speak, your speech is going to be more impactful. You're going to have more influence. You're going to be way more influential than you've ever been before. God says that you're going to, you're going to realize that you're going to need to be careful with what you say because you're going to realize that there are more people that care about what you say than what you thought. That some of them hang on the words that you speak. And your words either bring life or they bring death. They, they're either blessings or cursings. The Lord says you're going to lean, on the, you're going to lean toward the, uh, declaring a blessing and not declaring curses. You're going to be encouraging and not discouraging. God's blessing you to be a blessing in the name of Jesus. So I lose that to y'all. See the anointing. Now that's the anointing. What you feel is the anointing. What you feel is the Spirit of God. 
empowering you to be able to do what he said. See, prophecy is God's will revealed. Now, how we get there is we, we, lean, in, we lean into the Spirit. We lean into the Spirit. That's all right. Let them run. They're all right. They'll be okay. Just if they get close to something expensive, stop them. <laughs> but they're all right. See, God's will is revealed to us by His Word and what He says. Some people think the way that we get what God speaks to us by His Word is we exercise our faith. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we put our faith on it. We believe that we receive it. We do all that stuff. But sometimes, you know how we, you know how we get it? We get it because God said it. You know, God, God has said stuff to me that I couldn't work my faith for. Have any of you ever received something from God that you, that you're, you weren't in faith to get it, but it came anyhow? Why did it come? Well, because God watches over his word to perform it. Because God's word will not return void, but it'll accomplish all that it was set out to do. Now, does he want you to walk by faith? Yes. But sometimes when faith doesn't work, God's word works anyhow. perfect example of that is a story I was telling somebody earlier this week when we were in Sydney and God said he would pour out his glory. When God told me he'd pour out his glory in Sydney, we got to that church and nobody was accepting. Everyone was resistant. And when God showed up and did what he did, he didn't do it because I was operating my faith. Heck, I wanted to leave on, I wanted to leave Sunday night and go home Monday morning. But I showed up Monday, and then when I showed up Monday, I wasn't operating in faith. I, I got up there and I preached. I did what God told me to do, but I, did, I, could, I, did, I didn't know. I just wanted out, of the, I wanted out of the situation. God showed up in his glory because he said he would show up. Not because it had been on my refrigerator, me confessing it for months. Amen. So, lean into the Spirit. If you'll lean into the Spirit, then when faith don't work, the Spirit will lead you there. Did you hear what I just said? Lean into the Spirit because when faith don't work, the Spirit will lead you there. And it'll work because you follow the Holy Ghost. Not because your faith grew or even whatever. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you've said to us here today, Lord. We pray, Father, that all these words that have been declared and spoken will take root in the hearts of the hearer. God, that we will trust in you with all of our hearts. That we won't lean to our own understanding. But, Lord, that we will acknowledge you in all of our ways. And as a result, Lord, you will direct our paths. We will be not wise in our own eyes. But, Lord, we will fear you. Depart from evil. It'll be health to our navel and marrow to our bones. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Praise God. Well, listen, I'm excited about the back-to-school bash, about what the Lord's going to do here at this church on next Saturday. So be in prayer. Uh, I know that we have prayer at this church every Tuesday. Not at the church. Online every Tuesday and every Thursday. Is that right? Still online? So it's Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. 6.15 in the morning, there's prayer. But 
I don't know if Carolyn heard or Miss Rhonda heard or if Gaby heard or whatever. But this week, I'm coming every day, 7 a.m. I'm praying here at the church. So as well as there being prayer online, I will be here at 7 a.m. this week for a special time of prayer. I just feel like that we need to pray together. I think that we need to learn. Some need to learn how to pray. And sometimes that's how you learn is by listening, by getting together and listening. Uh, Me praying at 7 a.m. isn't saying that the prayer that we've been having isn't working. Prayer we've been having is working real good. But I just feel like the Lord has put us in this time where I need to do this special time of prayer. So 7 a.m. this week, I'll be here at the church. You can come and join me. I'll probably, I will probably be here from 7 to 8. Uh, if there are others here that can lock up, they can stay longer uh, if they want to. I may be here longer than that. It uh, just depends on how the Lord leads us. But we're going we're gonna to be in a spirit-led prayer this week. So let's expect the Lord to do uh, great things this week. Uh, Wednesday, we still have our service Wednesday. I'll see you on Wednesday. But uh, be, let's be praying for Saturday that the Lord will shake this entire community. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, let's shout one more time to the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Listen, Father, as we go from here, go with us. God, we thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, before you leave here, love someone because you do. I'll see many of you back here on tomorrow morning. And then the rest of you will see you Wednesday and uh, throughout the rest of the week. Video announcements and we can catch the video announcements as we go.